You'll never know Other people, places, things that you'll see Welcome to season two, episode two of People, Places, and Things, a podcast all about Kansas City. I'm your host, Shay Moore. I've got a saying, I don't play about my man, my money, or my meals. In 60 seconds, we'll be talking with my favorite chef, Bryant Wigger, head chef of Tavernona inside the Hotel Phillips. We all have financial goals, buying a home or a new car, or finally paying off a loan. But understanding how to get there can be a challenge. That's where FICO wants to help. FICO is helping Americans across the country to score a better future. FICO's next event is right here in Kansas City on March 19th at the Bruce R. Watkins Cultural Heritage Center. You can get free access to your FICO score as well as free one-on-one credit counseling. You'll get insight into the top two factors that have impacted your score and tailored recommendations for building credit or improving your FICO score going forward. Get the details about this free community event and register to attend on March 19th at scoreabetterfuture.com or head over to my Twitter feed at HeyShayMore where I've shared the link to the registration page and additional event details. One of the great connectors in life is food. And we're here with talented chef Bryant Wigger, head chef of Tavernona, which is inside the Hotel Phillips. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I was introduced to your food at a menu tasting that they had at the restaurant maybe two or three years ago yeah. when the hotel was renovated, mm-hmm. the restaurant was renovated and revamped. They brought you in. Yep. And tell us how that process of snatching you away <laughs> from California. California, yeah. back to Kansas City. I grew up about an hour north of here. And then around uh, when I turned 21, I said, you know what? I am out of here. So I moved to LA, lived there for 17 years. My wife and I had a baby and the rat race, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, I need to spend some time with my family. And this opportunity came up and I was like, you know what? I was looking at Austin. I'm looking at Portland. I'm looking at all these other places. I said, you know what? I'm just going to apply. Just see what happens. I wasn't expecting to get the job or even even take the job. Just kind of see what's what's out there. And then I came and talked to the food and beverage director that was hired and the GM. I said, just come out, do a little tasting. Let's talk. And then we'll go from there. And I came out and did a tasting and they were all into it and kind of decided to uh, make me an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> Being in a fast-paced place like L.A. where the food scene is ever-changing. Daily. Restaurants are opening and closing. Mm -hmm. You know, a bad review could be the end of a chef's career. Mm -hmm. How did you manage that pressure day-to-day and still be able to put out food that you were passionate about? It's tough because in this business, it is so subjective. Everything you do is subjective. Something that you love. Oh my gosh, I love this dish. The next person's like, you know what? Oh, the texture wasn't right. I didn't like this and like that. So for me, I think ignorance is bliss was <laughs> mostly my thing. You know, I don't really read reviews. I don't, I'll skim through them. If there's something that's valid, um, I will definitely pay attention, but you know, it's subjective. And so I don't take it serious. I just do what I do, do the best I can. And if that's not good enough for some people, then that's just the way it's going to have to be. And 
I haven't had a slowdown of people that really enjoy coming and eating my food. Little Bryant, was he <laughs> playing with cars and military men or was he playing with bowls and spoons? Well, I grew up on a 127-acre farm, so my playing was going outside, feeding the cows, my chores to do since I was 10 years old, dead of winter, going outside and all that kind of stuff. You know, I remember my parents' house, we had an old farmhouse when I was growing up and I had a John Deere tractor and I had a planter. And so I would take that little planter and go through the carpet and make my little rows and things like that. And kind of looking back, that's where everything kind of started. Because, you know, the reason that I'm into Italian food is because to me, it speaks to who I am as a person from where I started. You know, uh, my mom was a school teacher. And so every night we had dinner together, she would cook and make things, whatever it was. We had a garden and we ate what was from the garden. We raised cows and pigs and sheep and chickens and what we ate was what we grew so doing french food for a long time in my, my career is just a little too kind of foo-foo and rigid but i think italian food spoke to me and that's kind of really where it started i mean i, I was a dishwasher never even really wanted to be a chef just started washing dishes at northwest missouri state and i had a buddy that i'd met that was a server and he's like man i can get you a job so i'm just washing dishes enjoying my you know first year of college and then um he moved back to la and i opened the riverboat casino in saint saint joe and he's like hey man i need a roommate i'll pay for your first month's rent come on out to la and i was like give me two weeks and i'm out wow an opportunity came in your path and you decided to seize it. And now it's turned into something that has been, I'm assuming, the love of your adult life. My wife always teases me that she's second. <laughs> you know, when I met her, our I guess our second date, I was like, listen, I'm going to lay it out to you. I like you. I could see this going somewhere, but I'm going to be honest with you. You know, being in this industry is not easy. It's nights, weekends, birthdays, holidays, anniversaries. Every time you're out with your friends, I'm probably not going to be there. But to be honest, when we have time together, we're going to have a great time. And, you know, I've had some great opportunities from working for some really, really great companies from Four Seasons to Ritz-Carlton's that we've been able to travel, you know, 10 countries and just go and eat and drink and study culture from, you know, Bali and Thailand and Taiwan to Italy, Germany, Spain, Europe. And so it's been a, a great ride so far you know and now we've got a four-year-old my baby girl who's just turned a year so now we're kind of back and doing the family thing so now that's that's my number one thing cooking is always my, my passion but it's definitely moved into second seat did you throw a dish in there early on that you knew would make your wife yours forever <laughs> you know it's funny because the first couple of dates we went on i moved in with this guy um as a room roommate and he was like listen i'm not looking for someone that bringing girls over i have a <laughs> i have a five-year-old i don't want to explain this to him and i'm like dude i am not looking for anyone right now i went to the car dealership to get my car fixed and there she was as a receptionist and i was like um you know, hey, so I went in and I had a 311 CD. That's that's our band. And she was like, oh, I like 311. I said, well, hey, you know, back in, you know, 2001, let me burn this CD for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let me make this for you. And so the next day I came back, I took it to her and I was like, hey, I, you know, I burned this for you. Do you want to go out and have some lunch? And she was like, oh, well, actually, you know, I went out and bought it yesterday. Blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what? I get it. That's cool. I'll just leave you alone. She's like, no, 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 no. Let me give you my number. And I still have her card that she wrote her number on 
in my wallet to this day. And we've been together for 17 years and been married for 15. So I took her out for the first two days of lunch and I took her out to this restaurant I was eating. I'm like, man, this is expensive. I am never going to be able to afford a cook's wage taking my girl out to eat every day. So I went over to my house for lunch, made her you know, a seared sea bass with some roasted vegetables and a nice little salad. And I think from there, she was just kind of like, okay, I can... I can deal with this. During this time, you're not the chef that you are now. You're still building your credentials. You're just getting your feet wet in the industry. Mm -hmm. The cook that you were then versus the chef that you are now. Tell us some of the things that you encountered that you maybe didn't foresee coming. I've always tried to find something better, the better place to work, the better place to be, you know, and so... When I started in California, my first job in LA was in Orange County at the Hilton in Anaheim, which is across from Disneyland. It is 1,700 room hotel with five kitchens and all the people that I met, I was probably one of the only out of 10 people that were that spoke English as a first language out of a department of maybe 75 or 100 cooks. Wow. I had to expansion high school. I went to Maysville High School. I had 42 in my graduating class. I took wow. Spanish for two two years and basically just kind of barely made it through. And I, know I wish I would have paid more attention. I mean, I met people from Burma. I met people from the Philippines. I met people from Mexico, from Europe. It was such an eye-opening experience. And that really kind of made me more humbled to realize that I didn't know what anything, <laughs> what, what was really going on out there in the world. I just knew my farm cooking from my grandma, my mom my great grandma and that was about it. So it was it was such an eye opening experience being there for a year and a half and traveling three different kitchens. I I learned to butcher from an old Filipino guy who had had a stroke and could only talk out of part of his mouth. So his it was like, all right, we got thirty cases of tenderloins to cut into two thousand steaks and we have to do all the butchering for the rest of the hotels. So it was an experience. Going from there to work for the most romantic restaurant in Orange County to Pat Pascal, the guy that worked for Paul Bocusin. Paris. So he's got such great pedigree. It was me and him and two cooks and a chef de cuisine for three years. It's Ritz Carlton, which is, you know, five star, five diamond from the three meal a day up to the dining room, up to Banquet Saucier for for a year, then to Four Seasons, where I worked with three different Four Seasons in a seven year period, opening chef of two restaurants. And, you know, really it's such been such a great experience. And I think that the thing that I've learned the most is my dad was a factory worker for ever, 40 years. And he hated his job. You know, he'd go there and just make it every day, come home, farm and go to bed. And I think that, you know, not wanting that for myself, I want to love my job. You know, I love what I do. And it's, it's not easy, you know, nights and weekends and you have personalities and sharp things and hot things and the stress of service and all that. There were times where it breaks you, it breaks you down. I mean, I remember Eight months after moving to California, I'm sitting in my car in front of my house and I'm just like, all right, I am literally just going to, I just can't do this. It's, I don't know. I just felt so much pressure and I missed, you know, being the slower pace of being back in Kansas city and all my friends and family. And so I sat in my car for about an hour and my buddy comes out and comes out and he's like, what are you doing? So I'm like, this is the way I'm feeling. He's like, listen, come in, sleep on it. Let's talk about it. And, you know, you just got to kind of keep pushing through. Or to another place where it was a union hotel, which is not easy. I'd had a guy that worked the fry station for 27 years and I was only 28 years old. And I'm trying to tell him what to do, trying to maneuver through union reps and this and that. And that was, that was probably the hardest job I ever had in my life. 
There are so many people who are listening right now that I think have probably been faced with that same situation. Do I quit? Do I abandon my dreams? Because it gets hard. Mm -hmm. With your two kids, what do you think other than staying focused and staying with it? What are some other life lessons you think that your career has given you that you want to share with them? I think the biggest thing is that growing up on a farm and not knowing what the world is like to then experiencing the world is really starting to matter early that that where we are right now is a speck in the dirt of what the world has to offer. I mean, I would love to take them and travel the world and show them things young that hopefully will open their mind and make them a better human being to other people. You know, I think that there's so much going on in this world that's so negative and so divisive and and that's not the way the rest of the world is. Like we traveled to Bali and just to see these people that have nothing, living in shanties and scraping together food, but they would be more than happy to give you whatever they've got. I got chosen to go to Taiwan for 10 days, me and two other chefs to do a culinary tour of Taiwan. One of the days we went to this little kind of town that was right on the, on the ocean. And this the guy that had owned this bed and breakfast had worked in Taipei, uh, became a chef and then moved back to where his roots are to then teach the local children how to help cook so that they can go home from school, make something for dinner, and their parents get home from working, whatever it is, in the fields or they're out fishing or whatever it is to have something ready. And so he had a wood-burning oven at this little restaurant he had. They were like, okay, we're going to do an Iron Chef competition. And he comes to me and he goes, I hear that you do pizzas. And I was like, yes, you know, I've got this two restaurants I'd worked in had wood-burning pizza ovens. He goes, will you show me how to make pizzas. And I was like, to myself, it's cold. It's rainy. The pizza oven is outside. It hasn't been lit. And I don't know how long. So I'm like, sure. As I look over the other two guys and one of them's chopping up raw fish to make a tartare and the other one's taking small fish and frying them up. And that's their iron chef competition. Here I am starting from a cold pizza oven to then find flour and yeast and water to make the dough to then let it proof to then try to roll it out and then try to make pizza with this guy. And I just so wanted to be like, no, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do something else, but just to see, he was just so excited. And so I was like, you know what? Forget it. So literally two hours later, all those, all my other two chef friends are just giving me so much grief. Like, are you done yet? Come on, man. Our dishes have been up for like an hour and a it's half. Just pizza. I'm like, sure. So, so I made the pizza dough. We walked through it. I, you know, got the pizza oven going, uh, really got it fired up and, you know, walking through with them. And then we took the rest of the dough or making bread. And, you know, to me, not really realizing then and there what impact that really had. Uh, you know, I was just like, sure, I'm just going to do this and put it together. But then talking to um, the tour guide who ended up becoming being one of, one of my good friends, even a year later, she was sending me pictures of him using the pizza oven to make the bread and to make pizza to show these kids how to have food. Mm. And to me, like, I want my kids to realize that as you grow up, cherish the experiences you have and life you have and help people who are less fortunate. And the small things that you can do are really going to help more than you'll ever understand. I have this impression a lot of times when you think of different chefs that they're kind of snobbish or whatever, but you don't come across that way. You've got such a 
a humble spirit. Do you think that that's a misnomer for the industry, that a lot of chefs are pricks, or is that really true and you're just different? I think it depends. Like, like, like everyone, everyone's different. You know, I've worked with chefs who were complete, complete pricks <laughs> and just treated you like dog crap. And a lot of guys that have a great experience and have a great resume and are like that, honestly, are hiding the fact that they don't know how to cook. Worked for chefs that have phenomenal resumes, but couldn't put together a menu to save them, you know, or really just didn't understand. Take Gordon Ramsay, right? Everyone thinks he's such an ass to everyone. But honestly, like I know people that work for him and they said he's literally the nicest guy you've ever ever met. He is such a nice guy. It is just TV. It's just the way that it is. And there's a British show, I think it's the F word, where he talks about his family and he's at home with his family. And he just, he's really a good guy. But, you know, when you got to be strict and you've got to be on point, then you've got to be on point, you know? And I think every chef needs to have a balance. Times are different. As I was growing up in the kitchen, you know, I was yelled at, I was screamed at, I had stuff thrown at me, I was berated. I mean, it was, it's the way that the industry was, you know, and I think that for me, it helped me be more serious about things. But, you know, I was the person that would go in two hours early off the clock and I would make sure that everything I had was perfect and beautiful. And I didn't want my chef coming to me and going, what the hell is this? What is that? I, hey man, I, my philosophy is if you don't have to come talk, talk to me, the better off it's going to be. And I take that with all my bosses when I've owned restaurants. Like I tell them, I don't want to see you. You can come in whenever you want, feel free, but I don't want you here because your job is not to be here. My job is to be here and run what it is. When I first became a chef, I was going to be like, all right, I'm going to push these guys and I'm going to yell. I'm going to be the chef I've always been around. And after the first two weeks, my executive chef pulled me over and was like, listen, this is not the way we work it here. This is what you need to do. And, you know, trying to get the best out of people without having to put them down. I will say though, there was a girl that she came in so timid one time and I just put her through the ringer. I made her cry in the walk-in. I made you all this stuff. And she's now in, you know, moved to Portland. We're still really good friends. And she'll say, thank you so much for doing that. Like, I was so timid. I never would have made it in this industry because it's tough. You're talented. Your food is delicious. But as we've been talking, I kind of feel like your hard work is what's been able to open up different opportunities for you. Because when you talk about breaking down 30 cases, you know, I'm just imagining the physical labor and you're talking about getting somewhere two hours early to do prep work. That's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of hard work. Do you think you found that from your father on the farm, your mom in the schoolhouse? Like, where where do you think that comes from? I mean, I've had responsibilities since I was 10 years old. It was, whether it was going out in the wintertime to make sure that every animal had water to, you know, cleaning out the barn and all that kind of stuff. I mean, mowing down hay, planting and disking and all that stuff that takes with making crops. And it's just kind of the way I was grown up with. And so I just kind of just, that's all that I, I knew, you know, my dad in the summertime would leave me long lists of things that had to be done every day. And I'm like, it's my summer vacation. <laughs> that's fine. But you've got to, you know, go to this and cut thistles and try to find metal nails in the cattle field and this and that's. And so, you know, I, but with cooking, I love what I do. So to work 10 hours a day and only get paid for eight, I'm, I'm fine with that because I'm doing something that I, I enjoy. And one of the chefs I worked with, he was raised in the south of France. His grandparents had a charcuterie shop there. And he was like, listen, I was a cook for 10 years before I became a sous chef. And he goes, this career is like a pyramid. 
And I tell all my cooks this. Your life is like a pyramid. The base of your pyramid is how many years you cook, what you put into it, what you're reading, studying, eating, all that before you make that management step. And the bigger your pyramid is, the bigger your base is, the taller it's going to be. If you've got a nice foundation, then that means that you're going to get the better jobs, get paid more money, and your career is going to go farther. And if you only spend a couple years cooking and then make that management step, it's cooking is the easy part. Cooking is easy. Managing people, that's a hard, hard thing to learn and to do. After he told me that, I just kept cooking. You know, I left there and went to another place, went to another place and, you know, really spent two to three years in almost every job I was at to really become a master of what I was doing and not just, oh, I've done it and now I can move, move on. It's about taking something and learning all you can and not just doing the same thing every day. Like I chop onions differently than everyone else I know because I used to have to chop shallots every single day for a year and a half. And so I get bored. So I tried this way and I tried that way. And I, I found the way that is the quickest, the fastest and easiest for for me. So when I show people that, like, well, they didn't teach me that in school. That's because you have to teach yourself sometimes. You know, it's not just mm. about the chef giving you the answers. And, you know, I'm going to sound old here again, but when I first started cooking, there wasn't, I never had a computer, so I couldn't go online and just Google whatever, whatever, whatever. I had to go buy a book about French cooking to then take my menu home to research the French words that I had no clue what they were so that I didn't look like an idiot when I went to work the next day. Like, I want to look like I know what I'm doing. So I study and I read and I, I just really dive into whatever I'm doing and try to learn as much as I can so I can give as much information as I can. You'd be successful at anything with those sorts of habits. How are you going to instill the Midwest farm values that you have for yourself in your kids? They have a totally different perspective with the parents that you and your wife are. I mean, it's hard right now because he's four. going to be chores and things have to be done every day and I don't care what's going on. It's the way I was, you know. You're going to oh, have I the list do for him Absolutely. in the summertime. I'm going to have lists every day in the summertime. <laughs> And, you know, going, he loves going to the farm. He loves going to see grandma and grandpa. And it's great now, but wait till he turns a little older. He's out there picking up bales. Hey, he's out there. I don't want to go to grandma and grandpa's anymore. No, that's, you're going. And yeah, I mean, I think just teaching kids responsibility and holding them accountable. Because I think that that's something that's been lost. You know, when kids aren't held accountable anymore and they're not held to, you know, the standards that we were when we were kids, you know, and, and it, it shows. And I want them to know that hard work and dedication pays off and trying something and failing and quitting is not acceptable. If you want to do it, you're going to do it. We took my three-year-old to go play soccer and he never asked to do it, never wanted to do it. And we tried to get him to force him to do it. And he is as stubborn as can be. He is me and little boy. And he did not want to do it. He came over. He sat and like, mommy, I'm ready to go. Like, go out there and play with him. Didn't want to do it. So if he asked to do it, he's going to do it. But you're not going to force him to do it. I really thought we were going to talk more about food, um, <laughs> but you've got such an interesting set of experiences that I think can translate to just about anybody in any industry. So let's talk food for a second. If you are in front of the firing squad, what are you eating? Oh, that's hard. I mean, if I had to choose one thing, it'd probably be my great grandma's apple pie. Just because growing up as a kid, like I always remember eating her apple pie, fried chicken. That's probably where I would go. That's very simple for a French-trained head chef at Tavernone, an Italian restaurant, just some apple pie and fried chicken. 
it's where I come from. The owner of the company comes in and goes, listen, I was eating at Alinea, which is this like molecular gastronomy, like nothing is what it seems to be restaurant. I was eating there last night and I was thinking uh, they had uh, school lunch. Can you do something like that, but with chicken parm? And I'm like, sure. I made grandma's fried chicken. And then I made a, my Italian side, little marmalada sauce, tomato sauce to go on top and put some smoked cheese and pip- pickles. And that's kind of the way it came came about, you know. People assume I'm Italian. You kind of look like it. I, I think so. Yeah, dark, the beard, dark, yeah. Dark, dark, dark features. <laughs> but I say, oh, well, you know, when you're Italian family, well, I'm only Italian on the inside. That's what I say. My, I'm only Italian in my soul. That's, that's it. It is what it is. It's seasonal, local, simple food done well. That's exactly what Tavernona is. I say it on the radio all the time. It's my favorite restaurant. I encourage people to go try it out. There is a difference when you go to a place and you eat food that's been shuttered in from five, six, sometimes a thousand miles away versus a meal that's been prepared with things right here in the area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eating your food is what really opened my eyes to that. I'm like, wow, this food is absolutely <laughs> delicious. It's like you want to go and, you know, be romantic with somebody. afterwards. <laughs> like, seriously, you're like feeling life. What we're trying to do is really get people to realize that Italian food is not what Kansas City is really known. I mean, yes, there is Italian food that's here in Kansas City, but I think there's a whole nother side of Italian food that people don't really know about. And I think from living in California for such a long time and always having ingredients available, I mean, I'm definitely spoiled. You can ask anyone that, any of my purveyors, <laughs> can I get this specialized chicory from this? And they're like, we don't have that here. I'm like, oh, but I know it's in season. I know this farm that has it, but um, you know, Italian food really is light. It's not as heavy as everybody thinks that it is. It's not really just tons of cheese and tons of butter. And yes, there are parts of Italy that Romagna and those areas that are known for that. But there's also the Southern part that has light and delicate and simple. And, you know, even though it's winter, I still want to have some light and delicate stuff. I don't want it just to be heavy, heavy this and heavy, heavy that. And what I try to do is take that simple kind of lighter California fare that I've kind of grown up with to bring it back to Kansas City and show people that the Italian food can be something different than what you're used to. Just come in with an open mind and an open stomach and know that what you're going to have is going to be great. And don't be, don't be scared to try something. You know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Tell the server and they'll get you something else, but don't be afraid to try new things. The braised lamb. Oh my God. (laughs) Mm, Polenta. It was so delicious. Thank you. And I could tell that it was lovingly made. That's not anything you can make in 15, 20 minutes. This is something that's labored over. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, I had to go back for (laughs) more because it was family style. Some Mm -hmm. of the dishes you can get family style at Tavernona. And so I had to go back and serve myself more. It was so good. Italian is about family. You know, and I try to push it in banquets for weddings and things like that. It's like, you know, you want to have an experience of what Italy really is. Sit down as a family and eat because that's really what it's like there. You know, family is so such an important part of the culture that I think we've missed here that, you know, come in and and order some dishes and take that plate and pass it around the table just like you would at home. And that's what you're going to get when you come in. Just sit down like a family, eat like a family 
And that's, I think, what Italian food's really all about. I started this out by saying food is the connector, and it really is. I'm so glad that we had this chance to talk a little bit about food and Mm -hmm. work ethic and being back here in Kansas City. You are a gem, and we're so happy that you're here. Try Tavernona. It's delicious. And then ask if Chef Bryant Wigger is there, and then maybe he'll come out and say something to you. (laughs) I'm used to there. (laughs) Other people, places, things